The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This is Terratech with Jim Lane. Terratech is all about the products and companies that are using substantial materials that are changing the way we dress, eat, drink, shop, and live. We are becoming a more bioeconomic society and are more aware of the products in our lives. Now, here's your host, Jim Lane. Welcome to Terratech. I'm your host, Jim Lane, for the next 60 minutes as we explore the hottest trends and strangest storylines so far in 2017 in the bioeconomy. What do chili peppers, algae, aerial drones, marijuana, the Rockefeller Foundation, 3D printing, hagfish, slime, and spider silk exactly have in common? For one, they're all in the headlines in the bioeconomy right now. We're going to be exploring all of those in this program. Jo- joining me this morning as we take a pleasant journey upstream into advanced genetics and materials is top writer Gary Scoggins, who has been the byline relating some of biotech's hottest stories at NewDigest.com. Good morning, Gary, and thanks for joining us on Terratech. Good morning, Jim. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, now, Gary, as we as we discovered, you've got a background at, at CNN and in radio uh, too. But now, over at uh, the beautiful world of New, and uh, tell us a little bit about this story. General Mills is leading a six million dollar investment in something called Rhythm Superfoods. So, what is a Rhythm Superfood, and what's General Mills up to? Well, you know, I found this one to be a very interesting story because most people don't really know who Rhythm Superfoods is. But if you walk in the store and you pick up a bag of those kale chips that you love, that's Rhythm Superfoods. And so the important thing to me about this particular story is that uh, General Mills had been an early investor with this group. And this is actually a second investment for them, and it allows them to broaden their market and expand uh, both the the reach uh, in distribution as well as uh, the mix of products. Uh, for well, we've got a little so drop out it, there with Gary. General Mills, um, of course, the U.S.-based food company. Uh, Gary, welcome back. Oh, so Sorry. Um, my apologies. Uh, I will try to keep this uh, uh, as clear as possible. In any event, uh, it's, a, it's an important investment as it's a second investment for General Mills in this uh, very popular brand of plant-based foods. Now, we know, we know General Mills for Cheerios and Betty Crocker and Pillsbury. What, uh, what, what leads them to the advanced bioeconomy? What, what are these food companies looking for? Are they looking for enhanced profits? Is it sustainability? Are they trying to respond? To, are they being pulled by the customer? Or are they pushing their way um, in search of more profitability and better ways of doing business? I think it's an element of all of those with strength coming from the pull from the consumer side. Uh, General Mills, of course, is interested in extending uh, their very mature 
commodity business and moving into the plant-based foods allows them to expand the agricultural side of that. On the other hand, if you look, uh, you may remember a few months back we did a story on Tyson investing in uh, Beyond Meat, and in that sense, uh, it's an acknowledgement that there is a rising tide of consumers who are going to buy these foods. Now, kale has been hailed as a superfood. What can you tell us about? It's it's really a kind of a cabbage at the end of the day. What what can what what's the um, excitement around kale in particular, and and why are kale chips um, turning into into a real breakout here? Well, you know, that's a very good question, and I'm not certain I'm truly qualified to answer. I'll, I'll give you my thoughts. Uh, I think that uh, kale, of course, is, is a very uh, uh, coarse, leafy vegetable, and it's uh, full of antioxidants and, and all sorts of uh, uh, things that our, our bodies need. Uh, by the same token, it's, it's not exactly the most appetizing thing, and I think that uh, one of the unique things that Rhythm has done is they've found a way to make it uh, into a chip product, which is very easy for consumers, as well as taste good along the way. We saw a report that you know, one of the ways that you can reduce the risk of glaucoma is by eating a lot of kale and collards, and that didn't sound very appetizing, but, but certainly a, a, worthy, uh, a worthy goal to improve eyesight and uh, those carotenoids that you get through carrots and, and other things. Obviously, uh, they're in kale, so we're all going to be eating a lot more kale, I guess, in the future. Kale chips is a way to make it more appetizing, I suppose, and General Mills our friends from uh, from Betty Crocker and Cheerios, etc., are leading a second round investment. Thanks, for Gary, for bringing that story to us. The um, we also saw a little bit of work this month in the world of human immune support. Uh, some nutrients there, and uh, two companies, Valenza and Algal Scientific. You were reporting on the fact that they're commercializing microalgae to support human uh, for for human immune support. Uh, what's the story there? I think this is important because you're seeing some maturity in the algae and microalgae markets. And in this particular case, uh, these companies have already done some preliminary testing, uh, some in vitro testing of uh, the nutrients that they are able to extract. And the the second aspect of this is that they're really going to a a true purification of the derivatives from these uh, uh, algae. And and that's an important piece uh, if they intend to uh, really have uh, support in a, in a, shall we say, quasi-pharmaceutical world. Well, that's, um, so Algal Scientific has been a company in the world of, of algae. What do we know about Valenza? Uh, Valenza is, is a relatively, uh, I will say, young company. Uh, I think that... Uh, we're we're getting a little bit of rough sound here from our, our connections, so we may, we may need to cut this short, uh, Gary. So... Um, uh, let's 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 continue on with uh, Valenza and Algal Scientific. But uh, Valenza, a a nutraceutical uh, company, health food supplement. Yes, yes, uh, and they're targeting these things into the human health and nutrition markets. And uh, we had another story uh, coming in uh, on uh, uh, chili peppers. Hot chili peppers can really make you live longer. Uh, is a story that you reported on a little bit earlier uh, today. What uh, or, or uh, actually last week? What um, what do we have there? What's, uh, what's up with uh, chili peppers and why are we living longer? 
Well, you know, this is a very interesting one. Uh, it's, it's close to my heart. I happen to love uh, spicy food myself. And uh, this one was interesting in that this is a study that correlates. It does not present causation, but it correlates a strong relationship between a spicy diet and living longer. And basically, they saw uh, a well over 10%, about 13% uh, improvement in, in uh, uh, longevity by, by consuming a spicy diet. Now, the interesting thing is that in this particular case, they are really thinking that the connection is, is more towards uh, altering the uh, microbiome within the gut. And I believe that uh, you're going to see more and more of these kinds of stories where we find that food really does have significant impact on how our bodies uh, interact, and the gut microbiome is an important piece of that puzzle. So it's been companies like IsoThrive who have been talking not just about probiotics, but they've been talking about this idea of prebiotics, that there are things that you need to do to feed the bacteria in your body so that the bacteria do the job that they're supposed to do. So this, this appears to be a, a growing trend. You, you agree? I do agree. I think that you'll continue to find stories where uh, food is going to be used in uh, more and more cases to uh, increase the health of our own internal engines, the gut microbiome. I'm your host, Jim Lane. In this this morning's program, we've been on a journey of search of the hottest trends and strangest storylines, and Gary Scoggins has been with us. And, and Gary, tell us a little bit about what the, uh, the Rockefeller Foundation is leading an effort to cut food waste in half by 2030. First of all, why are they doing it? Why now? And what do they plan to do about it? Well, you know, it's a very interesting thing. We look at food waste from a lot of directions. In this particular case, they're talking about food waste ever, long before it ever gets to our, our table. Uh, they're really talking about uh, the, the kinds of things that happen in, in uh, developing nations where your yields and your crops are not as efficient as they necessarily could be. And in this particular case, they're, they're uh, intending to focus uh, in uh, African nations and uh, really try to help uh, smallholder farms across Africa in both increasing their yields and reducing the waste. Uh, when we talk about waste here, we're talking about, for example, a crop that might have been harvested, but for whatever reason, doesn't get to market in time and rots on the way. Those kinds of things, is they're really looking to key in on efficiencies that smallholder farms can actually do to increase their productivity. We've, we've had a technology that we're reporting on uh, in the Digest actually tomorrow um, called Anuvia, and this particular technology takes food waste uh, post-use, um, a lot of cases out of anaerobic digesters or something on the farm or in the landfill, and they convert that into a fertilizer, uh, which is kind of a time-release fertilizer. So it's a, it's a controlled release, so you don't just dump a bunch of fertilizer. It releases just the right amount of nutrients every day. So food waste is becoming a source but also an area uh, where people are trying to target using less of it. Which do you think is, is going to be uh, the winner? Uh, are we going to just use less of it and try to eliminate it from the supply chain, or are we going to try to find a use for it? I think you're exactly right. I think we have to find a use for it. Uh, you know, if the fundamental thing in agriculture is you've got the land you've got. 
we have to be able to produce more food for more free people, but the land is limited. And so in this particular case, uh, preventing waste on the front end before it ever gets to a store and finding uses for the waste on the back end after we have, uh, as people have received the nutritional benefit, uh, let's say that that goes on into a composting environment and then that gets returned to the soil and now we're feeding the crops again. Alternatively, we can take these sorts of things, particularly in plant-based waste and convert them into usable products. We're now finding uses for bioplastics. We're finding uses for uh, all sorts of, of uh, additional nutrition needs in, uh, in uh, shall we say, synthetic nutrition. So I think that we have to address it at both ends of the spectrum. Well, last story before we lose you for the day, Gary, back to uh, back to the process of creating new. But uh, we saw a, a story, uh, Biotica is partnering with HempTech to develop a pharma-grade marijuana strain so there's hope for dope i guess Uh, we've talked about medicinal marijuana for a long time but here's pharma grade marijuana what makes it pharma grade and and uh are you gonna be is are people gonna be able to sell it except for maybe in california colorado and washington what's the story there well, you know, those are some very good questions that I think I'd need a crystal ball to answer all of them. But in any event, I do believe that you have a, a, a rising tide of an industry that is looking at the ability to take the cannabis product and move it, to, shall we say, beyond the recreational and, and shall we say, narrow medicinal views and really look at it from the chemical compositions of what is in the, the particular strains. Now, in this particular case, they're actually targeting particular diseases. They have, uh, um, I, I apologize if my pronunciation is uh, incorrect, but uh, they're really looking at uh, the, the basic building blocks of cannabis, the phytocannabinoids and endocannabinoids, and they're targeting specific diseases. In this particular case, they're targeting uh, a, a early stage of Alzheimer's and uh, another disease called eosinophilic esophagitis. Oh, my goodness. There's a mouthful. Again, they are targeting a pharmaceutical grade. And so whether or not these things will make it to the market, of course, we have to go through a regulatory approval process. But the larger question is, is there a market for it? And because there is a uh, legal gray area here, I think that the question of whether or not they will become pharmaceutical grade products is bound up more in regulatory uh, environments than in actual technical environments. Well, thank you, Gary, for joining us on Terratech this morning and bringing us stories like Rhythm Superfoods and the Rockefeller Foundation, Chili Peppers is a Road to Great Health, and, and HempTech and its pharma-grade marijuana strains. When we come back after this short break, we'll explore 3D printing, hagfish slime, the fight against Alzheimer's, and new pathways to organ transplants. Stay with us. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Terratech is brought to you by the Advanced Bioeconomy Leadership Conference, March 1st through 3rd in Washington, D.C. Technology Convergence, Energy Security, Advanced Manufacturing, and Clean Economy Jobs. The RFS, which is Renewable Fuel Standard, is an important tool 
in the mission to achieve energy independence for the United States. Energy independence is a requirement of America's to become great again. My theme is make America great again. I will do all that is in my power as president to achieve that goal. Combination of biology and uh, the technologies coming out of IT is really what's going to drive some amazing oil new- prices. Yes, the story on um, everyone's talking about. But if the U.S. can prove that next-gen biofuels works and that you know other technologies work like DME and and really great kind of biogas vehicles, then they can export that. The thing that really is exciting is this convergence. To learn more, visit biofuelsdigest.com/ablc. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Terra Tech. To reach Jim Lane or his guest today, call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to jlane at biofuelsdigest.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to TerraTech. I'm your host, Jim Lane. And in this morning's program, we've been on a journey in search of the hottest trends and the strangest storylines. And joining me this morning as we continue to explore advanced biomaterials is top new writer Helena Tavares. Kennedy has been the writer relating some of the coolest biomaterials stories around. Good morning, Helena. Thanks for joining us on TerraTech. Good morning, Jim. Thanks for having me. Now, Helena, your, your background is uh, you're you're famed in the bioeconomy as the as the voice of the Roundtable of Sustainable Biomaterials, which is a global effort to bring sustainability to the production of a lot of this really cool stuff. So you've been doing this for for uh, quite a while, but we saw uh, a, a story that came out. Uh, quite uh, recently that uh, I think set us all back in a, in a positive way, and that is that uh, Divergent 3D is getting some funding to put a 3D printed car into production. Tell us a little bit about that story. Sure. Um, yeah, that story definitely caught my eye. Um, we've been seeing a lot of tremendous innovation in the marketplace now, You know, not just in research institutions like colleges and laboratories, but um, in actual companies. Um, you know, Divergent 3D uh, is a 3D printing automobile technology company. They, you know, you've heard a lot about 3D printing. I think, you know, we've done quite a few articles in the past about 3D printing for a variety of uses. But this one really caught my eye because I could never even imagine using 3D printing for a car. <laughs> so, uh, you know, they've been working on this research for quite a while, but this uh, added funding, you know, $23 million from Horizons Ventures, has really put them on the path to getting this to full production and to market. Um, if you look at you know the the picture of the car on their website and everything, it's it's really cool looking. It's very modern, very sporty. Um, yet, can you believe that it's actually stronger uh, structurally than a regular car? 
I, I would believe it. We wrote a story about the rise of structural strength uh, earlier this week in the Digest and, and uh, computer-based uh, engineering and designing and computer-based um, uh, use of these new materials is opening up all kinds of opportunities. We're going to get into this a little bit later in the show when we talk about spider silk, too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the fact that this is made with something that's a biomaterial, you know, they use carbon fibers. Um, this is just a great example of using something kind of natural in our environment um, and getting these carbon fibers, you know, printed in a way that can build a stronger structure than current automobiles um, and being more than 50% lighter than current vehicles. Um, you know, the, the fact that it uses so much less energy and resources to build the car compared to traditional automotive manufacturing is really uh, impressive, and um, you know, it gives us hope that as we move on in our lives and, and things evolve, that there are ways to improve on things that you thought were kind of done. You know, a, a lot of people thought, okay, cars, you know, either they're electric or hybrid, and the innovation kind of ended there for a while. But this kind of this article really caught my eye because it's showing us a a new way of looking at you know a, a very traditional industry in the automobile industry, you know, and seeing that there really can be innovation um, in the marketplace with, with automobiles still. Now, that, that 3D printing is, is often uh, done using polylactic acid, PLA. It's uh, lactic acid, everyone knows, from, from milk. It's, uh, it's what happens right. when the milk spoils. So, um, so milk into cars, it's a pretty much a, an everyday material, and you can use it. Now, you know who's really interested in this technology uh, besides terrestrial car companies, are, are um, not really extraterrestrials, but NASA has been showing a huge amount of interest because they don't want to carry a lot of spare parts for the vehicles that they're going to put onto the uh, surface of Mars one of these days. So, so uh, they think that they might be able to produce some of that PLA from the carbon dioxide and, and uh, small amounts of trace amounts of water that uh, you find on the surface of Mars. So... So uh, Divergent may be going uh, extraterrestrial here. What do you think about that? I think that's fantastic. Um, I think that's also one of the neat things when you hear about these innovations is, you know, here they are making a car with these carbon fibers and, um, and the metal alloys, but there's so many other applications too. And I, I think that's one of the greatest opportunities is that when a company or a research institution or or even big corporations, when they come up with these new things, um, it's not limited to just that product or that specific um, prototype. There are so many applications that can be brought into other industries that I I love that we can kind of learn from each other, you know. Absolutely. And and, uh, for those who are thinking that we're going to be taking milk away from babies, you know, think of the underlying material, what the cow eats to make milk, which is grass. So it can be made from a really ordinary uh, material and yet you get this structurally uh, robust uh, 3D printed car on demand that looks just like you want it to to look. So that's a great story. We also saw the U.S. Navy is uh, speaking of military defense, NASA and national concerns is tapping into hagfish slime to support national defense. National defense. What what is that story all about, and why hagfish and why the slime? It sounds like a really disgusting story, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting because hagfish um, are also known as slime eels, um, and 
they basically, when they sense a predator in the ocean, they emit this slime around them that basically kind of encompasses and suffocates their, the predator that's near them um, and, and protects themselves from getting eaten up. And um, this kind of slime, you know, is great for protecting the hagfish, but the U.S. Navy is looking at creating a, a synthetic version of it um, for military settings. You know, they, they really have been doing a lot of research with this, with the, you know, looking at the natural hagfish slime and seeing how can they use it um, for military defense purposes. It's basically, you know, it's, you mentioned spider silk, which you'll talk about later. Um, the hagfish slime threads are very, very similar to spider silk in that they're super flexible but yet super strong. Um, and a lot of people compared to, a lot of researchers compared it to um, Kevlar, which we know Kevlar as the material that we often hear about on protective uh, police equipment, you know, vests and, and uh, protective gear for our military. So here is something that is taken from nature um, and can be used even, you know, for defense purposes, something that's even stronger than our synthetic Kevlar fibers. Uh, so this is another neat example of taking something that is found in nature and finding a way to use it in everyday uh, use. And the, the Navy specifically is looking at it for ballistics protection, kind of like Kevlar, you know, the fireproof vests. They're using, looking at it for firefighting um, and even as, uh, you know, anti-shark spray for when divers go in the ocean and are doing uh, research or expeditions down there and um, or recoveries and that kind of thing, they can use this to fend off sharks. <laughs> so it's really kind of a neat thing that we're taking from these kind of really gross-sounding slime eels uh, and using it to an advantage. Wow. So uh, I can see another Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe character coming out here uh, to compete with <laughs> Spider-Man. Obviously, it's going to be Hagfish Man, right? Or, right, or maybe absolutely. Because he's spraying that out of their hands, Aqua, right? <laughs> Poor Aquaman, you know, he really didn't have much to, uh, uh, except he could call to all the fish of the sea. But what could the fish of the sea do for him? So now we know, you know, he can actually <laughs> go out there and go head to head. So Civil War coming up, uh, Aquaman versus Spider-Man. But we also, uh, back to uh, back to the real world, we have uh, some progress on dementia and Alzheimer's, which we're all concerned about, of course, um, you know, across the world. And a, as our population gets older, uh, we're more at risk from dementia and Alzheimer's. And apparently eating some mushrooms can help you. Um, how does that help? You know, and this, it's amazing that you can think that eating mushrooms can help, you know, prevent or delay a disease. But um, this is another example of why research is so key to evolving and improving ourselves, in this case, our health. Um, here's, you know, neurological diseases that probably all of us know of someone who has it. I, you know, I, I know of lots of people who have dementia or Alzheimer's disease that runs in their family um, or that have friends and, and people that are, you know, early signs of it even. And this neat research study shows that there are natural components and properties in mushrooms that can help um, prevent and delay those diseases. Um, you know, a lot of times we just want to take a pill. We want to go to the doctor. We want to just get a synthetic medication. You know, hey, doc, give me the cure, Right. Um, but this is a great example that we have a lot in our natural world to look at as possible solutions. 
Um, and so eat up those mushrooms because here's a, a natural solution that, you know, is probably much cheaper than going to your doctor and getting a pill. Um, but it, it has a lot of other, you know, protective benefits as well. Yeah, so some magic mushrooms without some of the side effects of uh, hmm, magic mushrooms. So uh, <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> a, a little magic in there. So um, Rex Tillerson has been in the news uh, recently uh, on en route to confirmation of Secretary of State, the uh, the outgoing CEO of ExxonMobil, got a lot of hassle and, and a lot of flack for uh, being a representative of old line interests like petroleum and gas. But um, synthetic genomics, that advanced uh, world, that, uh, that company of Craig Venters that uh, um, ultimately has been working uh, forward on advanced genetics, has signed an extended agreement with Exxon to, uh, to develop algae-based biofuels. Tell us about that. Well, this is a, a program that, you know, ExxonMobil and Synthetic Genomics have actually been doing for years. Um, they started back in 2009 with, you know, re- doing a joint research project to really look at the viability of algae biofuels and really understanding how algae works for the biofuels industry. And this has been a lot of years in research, but they haven't quite brought it to the point where they can bring it to market. So this extension of their agreement was really so that they can continue working on the project um, because they're, they're, it looks like they've done a lot of research in understanding algae genetics and how to um, you know, use genetic engineering and genetic selection to help get the best you know, algae strains that have higher oil production, have better photosynthesis, so that they can really get you know, some high-quality algae biofuels. So this is really, I think, the extension of their agreement is really to get it to the marketplace now, you know, to kind of get in that last stage is what it sounded like from their, um, their news. And, um, you know, this is important for, for getting algae biofuels into the mainstream. And support from, you know, a big oil company like ExxonMobil, I think this shows a lot of promise that big companies are taking this seriously and they're ready to move the needle on more sustainable biofuels. So we, we've had, um, in addition to the, the world of Exxon and algae biofuels and synthetic genomics, um, we've had some, some activity on the area of organ transplant. Now, as we know, it's very, very difficult to find organs. There are a lot of, there are, you know, the donors are being, are vastly outnumbered by the people who uh, need these uh, tissues. Tissue manufacturing has been uh, stepping forward uh, to actually grow an organ. Um, and it looks like there's a little bit of progress that uh, you've been reporting on. Tell us about that. Sure. There's a, a, a project called um, Advanced Regenerative Manufacturing Institute. And, I mean, this is huge. It's got about 100 organizations. They've got tons of funding, over $80 million in funding from federal government, over $200 million in funding from a lot of industry organizations and nonprofits and so on. So it's a big, you know, kind of great collaborative effort. Um, and the fact that they're really moving the needle here on, on organ, uh, you know, organ manufacturing for transplants is huge. This could save tons of lives in the future. Um, you know, having new organs made of, of biomaterials so we don't have to, you know, hope that we don't die as we wait on these long lists waiting for an organ transplant. I mean, that, that's huge. That's something that literally it could change lots of lives and save lots of lives. 
So in, in this particular case, is there any hope that, that these kinds of uh, new materials will also have lower rejection rates? That's been a problem with organ transplants for a long time. Right, and that's their hope because they're using biomaterial and cell processing. Um, their hope is that it will be rejected less uh, often than the traditional um, uses. Now, we also hear that, that some of these companies are using fairly everyday materials, even some waste residues, um, CO2, uh, we've heard um, we've heard some uh, are using sugars uh, to make that. What what kind of underlying feedstocks um, are they using? Um, I think for this group, um, they were. I remember them saying biomaterials. I'm not sure exactly what the biomaterial was, though. Um, okay, so I believe it had something to do with cell uh, regeneration or cell processing. Yeah, it's probably sugar um, at, at the at the bottom of that. So, uh, it, you know, typically speaking, you'd make it from a sugar. So you 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 take a sugar from, let's say, sugar cane, which grows very abundantly in Brazil, and you and you ultimately can grow it into a, a tissue, which uh, ultimately we hope can replace an organ. So a lot of activity, uh, Helena, that you've been reporting on uh, the 3D printed car, the hagfish slime that is going to compete with Spider Man, and eat some mushrooms to fight Alzheimer's. Um, Exxon in the world of algae biofuels of all places and organ transplants. Thank you, Helena, for joining us on TerraTech this morning. It's been great. When we come back after this short break, we'll explore a hemp plane looking to fly high, renewable grooming for man's best friend, and the U.S. Army is looking for a few good bio-based sea-conveying bullets. Stay with us. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. TerraTech is brought to you by the Advanced Bioeconomy Leadership Conference, March 1st through 3rd in Washington, D.C. Technology Convergence, Energy Security, Advanced Manufacturing, and Clean Economy Jobs. The RFS, which is Renewable Fuel Standard, is an important tool in the mission to achieve energy independence for the United States. Energy independence is a requirement of America's to become great again. My theme is make America great again. I will do all that is in my power as president to achieve that goal. combination of biology and uh, the technologies coming out of IT is really what's going to drive some amazing... Oil new- prices, yes. The story on everyone's talking about. But if the U.S. can prove that next-gen biofuels works and that you know, other technologies work like DME and, and really great kind of biogas vehicles, then they can export that. The thing that really is exciting is this convergence. To learn more, visit biofuelsdigest.com slash ABLC. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to TerraTech. To reach Jim Lane or his guest today, call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to jlane 
at biofuelsdigest.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back to TerraTech. I'm your host, Jim Lane. And in this morning's program, we've been on a journey in search of the hottest trends and the strangest storylines. Joining me for this segment as we explore advanced chemicals and materials for everyday use and even for the U.S. Army is top new writer Rebecca Coons, who's also a senior editor at Chemical Week and the executive editor of the peer-reviewed journal Industrial Biotechnology. Good morning, Rebecca. Thanks for joining us on TerraTech. Uh, Good morning. Thanks for having me. So you've been penning some amazing stories for us uh, lately at New and NewDigest.com. Going bananas for biogas caught our attention. What, um, uh, what's, what's going on in the world of bananas these days? Um, are we going bananas for biogas or is it a, sor- or, or is it a source of uh, new material? It's a source of new material. Um, I apparently did not know. I did not know this when I um, first started the story. Uh, apparently... Consumers are extremely picky about their produce, um, and even a slightly damaged or bruised banana, um, supermarkets will reject. So about 20% of Australia's uh, banana crop is ultimately rejected. Um, So there's an interesting project out of Queensland, Australia, that is um, trying to develop relatively small-scale anaerobic digesters that turn this banana waste, and and not just the thrown out bananas, but also the, the stalks. Um, and peels into electricity for electricity or biofuels for farm equipment. Um, and what's kind of cool about this is that um, in reporting on, on bio-based products, I, you know, I write a lot about uh, folks trying to get financing for $100 million plants and figure out how they're going to, you know, gather all of the, you know, corn and, and leftover agricultural waste in Iowa and get it to these giant plants. Um, but someone came along and, and uh, saw a pile of biomass and said, hey, let's, let's get a digester actually on site to produce a product that farmers can use on site. Um, so it's kind of a, uh, a reverse engineering, um, and it's a, it's, a nice, it's a nice way to sort of rethink the, the bioproducts industry. You know, it's been an amazing story up in Queensland. They've been committing uh, hugely to the bioeconomy. It's it's a little known fact that, that Queensland is a is a big agricultural area. Air, Australia is known as an arid uh, part of the world, but it's very tropical up in up in Queensland. And the the area of the coastline uh, just around the New South Wales Queensland border is called the Banana Republic, and the world's largest banana. It's like 80 feet high. is in a town called Coffs Harbour. So as you're driving by, you're of no doubt. Uh, what kind of world you're in. A lot of bananas, a lot of sugarcane up there as well. They've been talking about also developing some fuel options for the United States Navy when it brings its great green fleet uh, to uh, to that part of the world uh, down in Australia for refueling purposes, uh, green fuel. So there's all kinds of activity in, in Queensland, but um, bananas, of course, a worldwide crop. Is that is that something that uh, uh, could be aggregated elsewhere around the world? Um, well, actually, there's a similar project underway in Ecuador. Um, I think that one is based on um, trying to produce electricity. And also in the Caribbean and Uganda, um, they're using biogas from waste bananas to produce electricity um, for their own plantation. So um, it's not entirely new. I, th- I think it's, it's new to Queensland. And um, so apparently uh, consumers are picky everywhere. 
Well, I um, I have to confess that I'm I'm uh, every day before we go on air, I grab myself a, a, as a treat a little Starbucks, and my Starbucks is getting a little cold right now, uh, 45 minutes into the program, and and yet you're reporting on a Missouri company that wants to keep uh, my coffee, I guess all our coffees, warm with a bio-based thermal technology. So, help me out here with my cold coffee. What can I what can I do? Um, yeah, so this is this is a, a weird one. Um, so there's a company called Thermavent International, and in 2000, 2007, they, they set out to provide thermal management solutions to the military. Um, so literally, they have folks working on something, and I had to write it down because it's such a long name. Um, they recently got a grant for ultra-low thermal-resistance air-cooled heat exchangers for man-portable thermoelectric battery recharging systems. Wow, that but, sounds like the that sounds like the military, doesn't it? That's, yes, uh, that's yes, a, it an, does. <laughs> an, an acronym waiting to happen. Yeah. But they are uh, they are also selling coffee travel mugs on Amazon.com for thirty seven dollars and ninety five cents. So this you know high tech uh, bio based material that they're using in in um, all sorts of other applications. They're also have this one consumer product line. Um, and apparently it's pretty popular. They've sold more than 650 of them. Um, and if you do the math, because uh, it's somewhat expensive, um, you know, they're, that's not a bad, bad uh, amount of revenue coming in. Um, and they're launching a new one in April, and I read some of the Amazon reviews. Um, Amazon reviewers gave it four out of five stars. Uh, the complaints were the price, and that's a little bit heavy. Um, I couldn't track down too much information about the actual bio-based component of the mug. Um, uh, apparently, you know, that's their secret sauce, so to speak, probably. So, um, you know, they're not going to give too many details. Uh, all I could dig up is that the bio-based material is solid but turns into a liquid when it absorbs thermal energy. Um, and it does more than just keep your coffee hot. Um, it apparently immediately brings your coffee down to 140 degrees. Um, so that's, I guess, a drinkable level. And then it keeps it there for hours. So at first it cools it so you can drink it right away. Um, wow. and then it, it, this is, this yeah. is like the, in, the intelligent uh, technology here. So, uh, wow, finds, finds that a lot of technology for a coffee mug. Oh, awesome. My uh, Smart coffee is coming your way. That's great. Well, it's an interesting thing, Rebecca, that we see a lot of these cases where the military is often the first customer for these advanced technologies. We talked in an early segment about Kevlar, and here we are talking about a, a thermal technology originally developed for the military, now available on Amazon in a consumer-facing product. We've seen companies like Terravia that started out making uh, algae-based uh, jet fuel for the military, now coming out with algal protein and all kinds of products like um, uh, their their line of skin creams. So uh, a trend here, U.S. Army is also looking for a few good bio-based seed-conveying bullets. What's the story there? What's the, what's the Army up to? Um, yeah, so this is, this is another um, unique one. Uh, the Department of Defense um, apparently is, and as they should be, they're concerned about the amount of um, ground contamination at their live fire training facilities. Um, they use apparently, uh, you know, a hundred, I have the number somewhere, 100,000 rounds per year, and they've been using these sites over and over again. Um, so they're trying to make training more environmentally friendly. So they're looking for, it's kind of a two-part, it's, it's a grant program. 
Um, there, it's a two-part thing. They're looking for someone to develop a biodegradable plastic that could be used as a bullet to um, uh, simulate live fire. Um, and they're also looking for that biodegradable plastic to convey a seed um, that will grow into a plant that will remediate the soil contaminants that are already there and, and at the site. Um, and in addition, the seeds um, and casing, the bullet has to be benign should any wildlife eat it. Uh, they're looking for many varieties of ammunition types according to the grant, um, the, call for, the call for proposals. Uh, everything from low velocity 40 millimeter grenades up to 120 millimeter tank rounds. Um, and the, the, the grant request mentioned bamboo fibers um, but that, as a potential biodegradable material, but that was the only one it really threw out. Um, and applications close in seven days, so if you have an idea, uh, you need to get that to them pretty quick. Uh, but so it's definitely a, a very unique, a very unique um, solution to an to environmental problem they're having. So the Army is on the march, and the clock is ticking seven days to go. One of the most um, – uh, whenever we get a chance to write an article about hemp, we, we like to write it because it's an amazing material that's making a comeback. It was uh, banned back in the 1930s for cultivation in many parts of the world, including the United States, because it was very hard for regulators to tell the difference between uh, legal hemp and what was then uh, rapidly becoming illegal uh, marijuana. And so hemp uh, went the way of, um, well, it was, a, it was a feedstock that, that had better days in the past. In fact, Henry Ford once made a car entirely out of hemp materials called the hemp car. You can look at it online. And uh, hemp is making a comeback as a, as a material. And we see that you are reporting that a hemp plane is looking to fly high. What, uh, what's the story there? Uh, indeed. Um, a company called Hemp Earth Group is um, in the process of designing a four-seater aircraft that is 75% composed of industrial hemp. Um, they're hoping to actually have it uh, ready for its maiden voyage in 2018, so that's not terribly far away. Uh, right now they're doing structural testing on whether or not it's possible to replace fiberglass with composite materials made of hemp and other bioplastics. Um, and apparently flemp, uh, flemp, hemp is naturally flame retardant, um, so it's got that going for it. Uh, and they also use, hope to use hemp-based biofuel um, if it's approved by aviation regulators in time. Um, and, you know, certainly, you know, especially recently in the, in the bio economy, we're seeing um, applications for, you know, a lot more than just, you know, biodegradable, um, disposable applications of uh, bio-based products. You know, this is a really showing how versatile and strong um, these materials can actually be. Um, they have unique performance characteristics and can be used in durable goods. And building something structurally demanding like an airplane out of a bio-based material kind of highlights that, that quite nicely. Um, so. Yeah, you see an old, if you, if you ever go back to that film, It's a Wonderful Life with uh, Jimmy Stewart gives a million-dollar idea over to his, uh, his friend. He doesn't take a job in the factory, but it's actually a soybean uh, technology that uh, that makes his friend uh, Hee Haw uh, a multimillionaire. So I guess those days are coming back. So it's uh, 
Um, so the hemp plane is ready to fly high. But speaking of uh, advanced materials, we've seen uh, you've been reporting on some work in, in Sweden on advanced uh, spider silk uh, technology. We've seen some of this with companies like Bolt Threads in the United States that are using a spider silk based technology to uh, redefine what we think of when we think of uh, fabrics. We also had an earlier segment in this particular uh, program where we looked at the U.S. Navy and their efforts on hagfish slime, and hagfish slime has has some spider silk-like properties. So what's the story there? Why? What, uh, what's new in spider silk? Uh, obviously, we, we like its properties, but what makes it industrially interesting? Um, it's properties makes it, uh, you know, it's tensile strength. It's obviously very favorable for a lot of applications. Um, but this was a story where uh, one of the companies that has been a leader in um, synthetic spider silk, a uh, company called Spiber Technologies, uh, kind of overcame a couple of the main uh, processing challenges. Um, you know, this gets into kind of the, the deep chemistry that I'm a little out of my depth on, but apparently clumping when you're actually trying to spin it out of the um, material and, and weak threads that ultimately require additional processing have been two of the main challenges that sort of limited um, its, its use and made it not as strong as actual uh, spider silk. So they solved a couple of those problems and, and uh, they claim that theirs was the strongest synthetic spider silk ever produced without additional processing. Um, so that's a great step forward for making this viable. And uh, this company are, already has a couple of uh, prototypes. I love prototypes. Um, they've got a blue cocktail dress made out of spider silk, and they have um, also Patagonia and Adidas, and I believe Ford um, uh, is using is making prototypes out of spider silk uh, for their products. So. Um, you know, this kind of highlights that the next generation of bio-based materials uh, are, are focused on performance, and the fact that they're bio-based is, is a is a nice-to-have perk at the end of it. But you're you're buying a product based on performance. Well, coming coming to a red carpet near you, uh, advanced spider silk based <laughs> uh, based fashion. So great for the editors of Elle magazine. Uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna wrap it up this morning. We had a uh, a bunch of a bunch of stories uh, that we explored in this. Uh, uh, exploration of the fast-changing world of products and materials. So, but that's all we have time for this morning. We'll be back next Wednesday at 9 Eastern for another dip into that world. And until then, I'm Jim Lane, wishing you a great day in this new world of opportunity. Thank you for tuning in to Terratech. Please join your host, Jim Lane, again next Wednesday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And this week, take notice of the products in your life. 